Men's Health Unscripted is an organization founded by Tampa native Stephen and Patrick. Men's Health Unscripted is dedicated to providing enrichment to their community, especially the men and families within it. They are dedicated to providing the best education, outreach, products, and services to improve the health of what they believe is an underserved population in healthcare. Men's Health Unscripted provides a space for men to discuss their health and well-being. Their podcast features men from all walks of life and topics that include but are not limited to men's mental health, physical health, diet, lifestyle, and men's self-care, which we'll be getting into on this show. So please join me in welcoming Patrick from Men's Health Unscripted to the show. I would love for you to just start by talking about the origin of Men's Health Unscripted, what kind of brought you all together and what got you into the work of male health? Perfect. Um, so we started a student organization at uh, our college. Uh, I'll, I'll throw, we don't mention it a lot, um, but we'll mention, I'll mention it here. We go to USF College of Pharmacy. Um, and so what happened is we felt like there was a real need for men's health. There was a bunch of other student organizations that were geared towards other disease states, um, diabetes, heart health, uh, lung health, which all in, uh, in their own right are very important. And so we felt that men were such a neglected population in healthcare um, that we needed to start men's health, uh, a men's health group uh, at school. And a lot of people joined in. Um, it was myself and a couple other classmates, and we just really kind of started talking about the things that nobody wanted to talk about and addressing uh, pretty significant things as far as mental health, sexual health, emotional health. And we were doing a lot of community outreach and then COVID hit and our school kind of shut down a lot of the community outreach programs for obvious reasons for our safety. And uh, my current business partner, Stephen and I were like, why are we putting this on pause And why are we letting school dictate how we should do things? And while everything was shut down in COVID, we still had the opportunity to create a website, social media, a podcast, and uh, do some outreach programs that way through social. So while we were sitting at home, while a lot of people were figuring out what to do, we decided to get to work on what we had found out to be was our real passion. And that was men's health and guys starting to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that. That's really awesome because nowadays, you know, everything really is online. That's how you spread your business as an entrepreneur or just someone, a startup. So that was really like creative and an innovative idea to say like, why are we not doing this when it's clearly something we're passionate about? Let's continue it and spread the message in a different way. So I really love that. Thank you. And also now, so as our brand has began to evolve and we've separated ourselves from being a student organization, we kind of talked a little bit about this off camera, but we felt like every commercial you see for men's health or men's health geared is hair loss or dick pills. Um, And if anybody kind of wants to debate me on that, I would happy. Well, now we have Manscaped as well. So Uh, but if yeah. anybody wants to debate me on that, I think our social media and website will be in the in the <laughs> section. But um, we just feel like men's health is so much more important than hair loss and dick pills. And while those things are vital to some people, um, there are other ways to express your health 
um, yeah. instead of that. And, and it kind of boils down to, well, what are, you know, how does the media perceive men? Is that really kind of all we are? Maybe they just know that that's what we're naturally geared towards this superficial level of health rather than, um, and just us in the healthcare field, women do get a lot of, a lot more attention, um, breast cancer and ovarian cancer, things like that are much more highly funded. And that's great. You could even go as far as to say a lot of doctor's offices are geared towards women with pastel colors and daytime TV. Um, you know, uh, there's no pool table and, and somebody handed you a beer when you check in <laughs> at the doctor's office, right. And ESPN on. So we just kind of saw all these things and decided to put together some programs that guys could identify with and understand that, Hey, maybe it is better if I eat some more vegetables. Maybe it is better if I wash my face and armpits once in a while, um, things like that, that I think guys, uh, get away from because they're focused on maybe a little bit more of the superficial aspects of health. Hmm. That's a really interesting perspective. And I could totally, I actually really agree. I've never looked at that point of view before, but it's so true now that you're saying that it's crazy. So I'm so excited to talk about all this stuff because I've never had a guest on where we dive into this stuff. So I think we'll start broad and then narrow down because I would love to talk about masculinity and um, gender roles, men's self-care, which we hardly ever hear about. Um, but firstly, from your opinion, where does men's health care go wrong? So I'll start with... Um... I'll say, I'll give you a little history of men's health. Please and this yeah. is, we had some local urologists who have been mentors to us and are really big in, in the men's health community. Um, unfortunately, the men's health community is a lot stronger in countries like Canada and in, in Europe, the, the continent of Europe uh, in general. And while it is kind of still weak in those places, they care about it more because there's a little bit more of socialized medicine. And a lot of those places are geared towards prevention. So here in the States, um, women get, you guys have a defining moment in your lives. You, mens you menstruate, um, you know, at, at, in those early teen years. And at that moment, you guys are really strongly advised to go to the doctor. Um, you guys, sexual health, unfortunately, is a lot more heavily regulated, I think, than guys. Um, it, it can't, it's a good and a bad thing, right? Like it gets you to the doctor, it gets you tested, but then you also have a bunch of 80 year old men trying to tell you what to do with your body. So, um, it, it has its, its pluses and minuses. Um, uh, and guys really don't have that defining moment of, Hey, you have something that you need to do to, to go take care of yourself. It's more like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'm sure any men in your life are like, I'm not going to the doctor unless my arm is falling off. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it goes wrong is that not enough emphasis is put on us as men in our early teen years, besides going to get physicals to play sports. But what does a doctor really do in a physical? Hey, how you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. Are both your balls still there? Okay, cool. Move on. Um, and that's kind of really where I feel this is strictly my opinion. Other people might say differently, but that's where I feel the healthcare system has kind of let men down is because they're not, they're really not even preaching about sexually transmitted diseases, um, using condoms or just overall sexual health where women 
they do get a lot of that. And that is a driving factor on women going to the doctor and taking more care of themselves um, from a health perspective. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing those differences. It's so true. I feel like there's so many faults and flaws in the system. I completely agree with there's no prevention education. It's just when it's too late, you go to the doctor. Um, But an example I could give that perhaps you could touch on is I was dating someone that had um, erectile dysfunction. He was so young and we're seeing the ages get younger and younger for erectile dysfunction now. Um, And he just went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed him Viagra. It turns out he had early like onset diabetes and a heart condition and the Viagra just made it worse. So it's kind of like we're covering up the symptoms with this Band-Aid rather than digging below the surface and seeing what do we have to do to fix this or prevent it. So um, I have a couple of points to kind of discuss with that. It's really interesting that you brought that up because the ages of erectile dysfunction are in fact getting younger. Um, So I'll touch on the physical and then I'll touch on the mental. So from the physical aspect, being we're in pharmacy school, so we like to talk about drugs. When we go to the doctor, the doctor says, you have this issue, X, Y, Z. And they'll prescribe you something where I'll never say that American medicine doesn't have its place. And in fact, sometimes is really incredible the things that um, we're able to do. We have some of the best medicine in the world. But what I will say is that a lot of times there is, like you said, an underlying cause. So erectile dysfunction, we say this a lot. I'm happy to tell your viewers this. Um, It's got a couple of, there's a couple of factors that can cause it. Mental, which we can get into in a second, and physical. And so this is coming from someone, me, Patrick. I have a family history of heart disease and a very long line of it. My father died in his mid-50s and his father died in his late 40s. And so... While some of their life, well, definitely their lifestyle choices led to heart disease, it made me dig deeper into it. And so as I'm digging deeper into heart disease and how I can prevent following in their footsteps, we found out that erectile dysfunction on the physical end actually is a precursor for heart disease. And that is due to the vasculature in your heart that surrounds your heart, that pumps to your lungs, and then systemically is very similar, almost identical with the exception of being size, um, your heart valves are way bigger, but, uh, as far as structure goes, very identical to the penis. And if your penis is clogged, essentially clogged, right. Um, and you cannot get blood to your penis, blood flow to your penis. That means that there is likely some issues happening at the heart level. Um, and so, What we tell guys is that erectile dysfunction isn't necessarily a sign of old age. No, not everyone gets it. Um, But what it is is a precursor for heart disease, and it's an early indicator for you to get to the doctor, get some labs done, and start working on trying to prevent it. And, you know, uh, early onset diabetes, like you said as well, when you think of it, you know, in the most layman terms possible, is diabetes is excess sugar in the blood that's not going to the muscles. And so as you get to a certain point, your blood can actually become like syrup. And so if you're thinking that's, it's really what it is, it's dissolved sugar in the blood. And so if you think about pouring out a glass of water and pouring out a glass of maple syrup, the viscosity is very different. Mm. So imagine trying to take that through 
a small hole, right, of blood vessel to fill the penis to achieve erection. So that is kind of some of the physical end of it. Now I'll talk about the mental for a second. So sure, we can have our partners um, may have, uh, maybe they're not doing something that we like, or maybe, you know, people get tired of each other. There's a lot of different things. But one of the things I would really like to to really discuss, and it's become a huge issue, is uh, the consumption of porn. Yes. And so the reason I'm going to bring this up is because I have some nurse friends here in Tampa that when we were starting Men's Health Unscripted said, you guys need to really look into this. I have young patients from the ages of 25 to 27, perfectly healthy young men. Their labs read great. They're really healthy. They cannot achieve an erection with a partner. They have zero libido with a partner. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And both of these, they, they knew, they know each other, but not really, not as well as I know them individually. Both of them came back and said, we, or one of them came back and said, I interviewed the patient next time he came in and he consumes an unworldly amount of porn. So I told the other nurse, Hey, ask this patient. And she did a patient interview and it turns out he consumes a ton of porn. And so, well, if it's not a problem for you, then I guess it's not, not you, but if it's not a problem for the viewer, it's not a problem. Right. But if it is a problem, they're glorifying sex it's not a true sexual experience. At the end of the day, they are actors and actresses that are being paid to act in that kind of way to act out sexual acts. And so the more hardcore it gets, the less, the more we stray away from what true sex and intimacy is. And so those kind of reasons are some of the, I know it may be a little bit long-winded, but hopefully it was to the point, but those are, some of the the major reasons why we're seeing such a young age onset of erectile dysfunction. So physical health and mental health and consumption of fake sex, which is porn. Mm. I'm really happy you brought that up. I love talking about porn. I personally am not a huge fan just because I know like the logistics behind it and like human trafficking and everything like that, but it's completely true. And I'm curious your opinion. Do you think that low libido and an over amount of porn consumption go hand in hand as well? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to, it's the unrealistic sexual experience. Yeah. And so as we get to things that are more and more hardcore or just more and more things that stray from the likelihood of reality for these things taking place, the more and more of that we consume, the more and more we perceive of that as reality. And it's taking us away from being present with a partner because you're worried about porn. You're worried about like, well, why isn't this person doing what that actress did or that actor did uh, on that show or that porn or whatever? Um, why, Why are these things not falling into place? And unfortunately, I think we could even take it back to our elementary and middle school days when we were having um, sex ed isn't great. I mean, seriously, right? Like it's some, I think my sex ed teacher was like some 70 year old lady that did not want to talk to a classroom full of boys. And then we had like some weird PE teacher that, you know, I'm not going to pass judgment or make any assumptions, but the dude probably hadn't had sex in a long time and was like super (laughs) out of touch. Right. 
So it's like, it's not like we're getting someone close to our age who's willing to come in and talk about sex, sex and sexual health. Parents generally are embarrassed to talk about it. So where are we going to educate ourselves? And now with the internet and the proliferation of information, we just go look up porn. And so if that's how we're getting our sexual education, guys and girls, um, it's really unfortunate because then that's how we're going to perceive what sex should be. And that will just further disconnect us from being present with a partner and being able to appreciate what they can bring to the table. And also being able to appreciate asking someone what they like sexually, because you're just going to assume that they like, you know, dressing up like a furry and going at it. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, I use the extreme example because it resonates and it's like actually picture pictureable. Um, but that's, this is our, our sexual health system. I'm so glad you have podcasts that you can educate people um, as well. Yeah, beautifully said. You're preaching to the choir. And it's funny you brought that up because I can honestly say I'm 27. I don't think one time ever that I've had sex, a person has asked me what I like and don't like. I'm always the one to initiate that conversation. I don't think once someone has ever asked me about my STI status, they just assume And I've also had like horror stories where people assume I'm on birth control, so they don't even need to wear a condom. And it's just a nightmare. It's really sad. Sure. Um, I can honestly uh, identify with you on the not many people have been like, hey, what do you like? Usually that's me initiating that conversation. I'm straight guy, so I like women. Um, And, you know, I, I when I initiate that conversation, girls are like, Dude, that's awesome. I've never been asked that question before. And so I think that there's a huge disconnect because it's like, well, then where do we find, where do we find the connection here if we don't both know what each other like and how can we kind of move forward uh, with a, a sexual and emotional relationship? I mean, they asking you what you like isn't just a sexual thing. It's definitely, it develops an emotional connection and it, it kind of lets me know where your boundaries are at as well, um, just as a human. Yeah, it's so important too, right? Those like vulnerable conversations that we always skip over is kind of blocking us from true intimacy and connection. Absolutely. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I I, uh, I know we talked about this a little bit off, you know, right before we started recording too. But I know you're a big yogi, and I'm a big yogi. And I think that I've been doing yoga really like hardcore for three years. I've been going nuts. Like I try to practice five or six times a week and um, I don't always get to it because of school, but the the breath work practice and the the practice of being present is definitely something I take with me in day-to-day life. But yoga has taught me that, you know, at the end of, we all are engaging in different levels of relationship, friendship, romantic, you know, passing by somebody in the hallway saying, Hey, what's up is technically, you know, some level of relationship. But when you start developing those intimate bonds with friends, lovers, you know, coworkers, et cetera, it, sh- it is important to find out what they like and what boundaries that they do have. Um, so that we're kind of not invading someone's space and making them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering what got you into trying yoga? Oh, my body, uh, we joke around at the yoga studio. I'm built out of sticks and bubble gum, um, former baseball player. So like I, I just had a lot of injuries. Weightlifting was kind of uh, very high impact on me. And so I was looking for something 
that was lower impact um, that would also give me a good workout. Mm -hmm. And so I actually went into it for the workout experience and ended up finding a really great spiritual practice as well. Oh, that's beautiful. And it really is a workout too, right? I feel like people think it's just stretching and just chanting, but it, it really works your entire body, your endurance, your strength, your flexibility. It's like a total body workout. Absolutely. I think that um, yoga is, is the ultimate way. So it's a, it's a physical stimulus. And if we allow the physical, if we can translate that the physical stimulus into our day-to-day -day lives, like we are put in uncomfortable situations every day and it might be one, it might be a hundred, but we're always constantly in a weird state of discomfort. I'm sure there's comfort and happiness, but um, there's just things that we don't like that happen. And so the physical practice of yoga accompanied by the breath work and kind of spirituality of it also translates over to the day-to-day -day life. So it's like you're practicing yoga for the game of life is kind of how I see it. Because when you're in that uncomfortable situation, yeah, you're not going to be in handstand or crow or bird of paradise, right? But you are going to be present. You are going to have to breathe. Um, and in not letting that advanced stimulus, outside stimulus take charge of you because we all have to make difficult choices. Is it better to make a difficult choice under duress or is it better to make a difficult choice uh, calm? I guess is the best way I can put it. Mm -hmm. Are you making a, where, where is your decision making and how are your best uh, choices being made? And so that's why I love yoga because I can sit there and breathe mm -hmm. when I need to breathe, <laughs> um, even though something crazy is happening. Mm, kudos to you for recognizing that three years into your practice. I think it took me almost 10 years to realize that like the lessons I'm learning on the mat, I can apply off of the mat. So it's really impressive. Well, I, um, I guess like my whole life is just a compilation of transferable skills. <laughs> um, and so I think most people's are, it's just sometimes we don't recognize them and it yeah. took me, I'm 34. So I would say that it took me probably many years to realize that a lot of the things that I've been acquiring over time are actually really transferable. So I'll use baseball as an example. Was I ever going to be a major league baseball player? No, I played college. It helped with, you know, saving money on school. It, it funded a lot of my school and education, which I'm grateful for, but also taught me how to be a team player. It also taught me how to manage people as well. Um, and it taught me how to be a leader, which are all very important in my line of work. Um, especially owning a business as well. Uh, we have, Stephen and I both have to make difficult decisions every single day and we have to act as a team. And Stephen is also an awesome team player. I, I couldn't ask for somebody better. Um, he deals with a lot more of the back end stuff that I'm not great at, but he is phenomenal. And um, I deal with a lot more of the podcast, my face on camera type stuff. And so we have to make those tough choices and if neither of us were good team players, it probably wouldn't, you know, in our mind, I think it's going, we're, we think it's going well so far, but those decisions would be a lot tougher. And we would probably argue a lot more instead of rationalize things and think of like, okay, where, where is this going to be? Where is this going to be in the next year or so? Right. And being able to kind of foresee what we want to do. Mm, no doubt. Yeah. I feel like that's super healthy of you to 
even address that. And you must have like a very high level of emotional intelligence to like have that humility and be willing to kind of like let your ego go to the side when dealing with people and compromising situations. Sure. Uh, that's probably something else. The ego uh, was a lot more in the driver's seat than, uh, than he is now uh, <laughs> in previous years and previous times in my life. And I think that's one thing that yoga has taught me is that I can't do all the poses. I'm not really that flexible. Um, but what I can do is put my ego to the side and try. And so there's a lot of other things where I've, I screw up all the time, Lauren, like I mess up every day, but also understanding that, am I going to get pissed off about it? Yeah, maybe, but am I going to learn from it? Definitely. And so that ability, and I'm not perfect by any means, like I get angry, and like upset with myself or, you know, upset at things that happen, but the ability to kind of take it back a couple steps and say, okay what can I learn from this is really something that I, I will give it a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Annette Scott. I love her. She's changed my life. She's the owner of Kodawari studios where I go. Um, I plug her everywhere I go just mm -hmm. because she has been a life changing influence on me, but she's kind of taught me that is like, where can you step, where can you take a step back and learn rather than getting pissed off and acting like a child? There's a learning experience in every situation, good or bad. Mm. Amen. Yeah, she sounds incredible. And I'm really happy you have a mentor like that. I would love to talk about masculinity because on the topic of yoga, um, I remember the first time I invited my boyfriend and his friends to my yoga class, one of them just like recoiled and was like, I'm a man. Like I don't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And I could tell that underlying that was just like this shame that he had around masculinity. And I know we mentioned this before, and I think that would be a good transition into talking about men's mental health. But can you just touch on what you've seen um, in your line of work and like kind of this, I hate to use the word toxic masculinity, but this like shadow masculine energy. Sure. So when we first started Men's Health Unscripted, we were trying to call it non-toxic masculinity. <laughs> um, and sometimes it still comes out. We we kind of look at masculinity in a different way because masculinity a lot of times is kind of just like what's been put on us by other people and the media and the news and like what you're supposed to be right. Rather than being like who you are. And so we feel like, so in the yoga experience, I'll, I'll plug ourselves twice a year, usually in um, June and November, like, centering around the months that revolve around men's health is we go to code warrior yoga studio and Annette puts on a free class and we kind of work together on how to sponsor that and find local businesses that will kind of give away some cool stuff to at least incentivize people to come. So we'll trick you to showing up to yoga and um, we'll actually turn up the heat to like a hundred degrees and we won't tell you. So you're just in a hot room really having to uh, figure out a lot of stuff in that <laughs> class. But we feel like it's a, it's a good experience because it shows guys that it's a damn good workout. It also shows guys that they can do things that they never thought that they could. Um, as far as masculinity goes, I feel like there's so many different ways to define it that we could probably talk about that for hours and hours. But since this is like a short form <laughs> discussion, um, I would say that masculinity in my, in my opinion is 
being able to be who you are and being comfortable with that and understanding that we're all very unique people um, and that we all bring something very different to the table and understanding that, you know, no one can tell us what to do, right? Other than, you know, you have your, your day-to-day stuff that you have to do, you got to go to work or whatever, but no one really has the right to tell you how to live your life as long as you're not hurting anyone or, you know, doing anything super crazy. But in my mind, you know, masculinity is, is there. It's understanding that people around you have emotions, they have needs, uh, all that good stuff. And being able to work within those confines and be a good person. I mean, that's really kind of how I define masculinity. Um, it's not like the machismo, I think, is such like a 1940s, like World War II thing. And um, unfor- you know, unfortunately for the people that feel that way, like we're in 2021 and yeah. you can still be strong and you can still be polite. You don't have to be an asshole to be, you know, considered masculine. So that's kind of, uh, that's where we're at with the men's health and scripted version of masculinity. Mm, a thousand percent. I love that. A really good book um, is by Lewis Howes. He wrote The Mask of Masculinity. It's an incredible book. I wish that everyone could read it. I'm going to write that down. Yes. The Mask of Masculinity. The Mask of Masculinity. Lewis Howes is, he's an inspiration. He's a motivational speaker and a thought leader and he shares his own experience of sexual abuse as a child and how it just completely transformed him and the amount of shame that he dealt with growing up particularly as someone that is a man so i would highly suggest anyone listening to this reading that book i'll definitely check it out it seems um like a really interesting read and would probably definitely fall right into Mm. the lines of men's health and if it could help us it can definitely help someone else Yes. I'd love to wrap up here by talking about male mental health, because I feel like it is underrepresented, as you were talking about in the beginning of the episode. And the suicide rates among members of the male population are extremely high. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts about male mental health and that epidemic is. So male mental health is, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of in the shitter. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to some of it to the toxic masculinity that we've all been exposed to. It also goes back to kind of some of the holes in the healthcare system. And what I will say is like one of our men's, it's not necessarily fun, but one of our men's health fun facts that we like to scare people with when they come to our events is three quarters of suicides are committed by males. And so as we've kind of like statistics all kind of have their, their points, right? Like you can kind of make numbers look like anything if you really are good at it and want to. And so what we, we decided to dig a little deeper to that. And like, we talked to some other people that are in the um, mental health community here in Tampa and actually suicide attempts are around 50, 50 between men and women. However, men's intent is what gets them to the point. So they, they take action in a much more violent way while women, um, you know, this is kind of stuff that we've seen in healthcare. Women would be more likely to swallow a bottle of Tylenol and a guy would be much more likely to take a gun and take his own life with a a lethal weapon with much more lethal force. And that's why we think one of the reasons that that rate among men is so much higher 
Mm. And it's unfortunate that the attempts are there, even if it's 50-50. I think that just goes, just goes to show the lack of mental health as a whole in our country, um, where we have like all this really cool, nice stuff, but people are still really unhappy with what they have. Um, and so what I think, you know, and it's really unfortunate that men use those, those intentions and so violently. And so we're trying to kind of figure out how, where this is like our problem too, because it's men's health unscripted. We're, you know, trying to help solve this, but how can we get guys to find out or at least speak up about it? And so here in Tampa, we have like some local men's groups that we're kind of starting to form. And honestly, a lot of it's like guided by partners. It's the women of, we call them the women of men's health (laughs) that are like, get your ass to that meeting, get your ass on that zoom call, go to that therapist. It's not so much guys talking to other guys about it because like, you know, we, we say that guys relationships are really kind of superficial with each other. Right. Like it's just like cars, chicks, sports. Um, and that's kind of what, what like the guy's relationship is, but where if you have an intimate partner partnership with someone that you really care about and love, you're much more likely to understand who they are other than cars, chick sports. And so the partner is usually the one who identifies if there's really a significant problem and gets them to try to find the help that they need rather than, um, you know, them just going to seek it out on their own. So like kudos to the women of men's health. Like we love you guys for doing what you do. Like, you know, we'll have a lot of women even get guys to come to our yoga stuff and to our other events. And then guys are like, Hey, this isn't so bad. And then they stick around, Mm -hmm. but you guys are really the driving force behind getting some guys to, to come do stuff. Yeah. I actually got my own boyfriend into therapy. (laughs) I always say everyone that dates me, they end up in therapy one way. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's it's completely true. And even connection-wise, like touch speaking, a lot of people are touch-deprived, but I have to say that men are the most because women are so, like, touchy. Like, not everyone, but you know what I'm saying. We hug our girlfriends. We are just more affectionate towards other women, whereas you hardly ever see – like, if I see two male friends hug, I'm, like, super impressed – but right. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's a shame that it's very unfortunate that men aren't being um, intimately like touched or expressed love by their mother, their father. You know, they're told to man up, stop crying, suck up your emotions, be strong, and it's also harmful in the end. Absolutely, uh, I, I took myself um, and acknowledged that I had a few things that I needed to kind of work on, and uh, got myself into some therapy. And I'm not afraid to say it because it's done um, some really amazing things for me and uh, really helped me perceive the world in a much different way. And um, so if there are any guys out there listening, uh, I didn't have a partner kind of force me to do it. I was in a really tough spot and I acknowledged that this needed to happen. Um, So guys, if you're out there and something's wrong, speak up about it. You know, we've, even been so much as to say like, Hey, if you see our email, hit us up, we'll try to help you find some kind of resource. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely had people in our DMS on Instagram. We've had people email us through our website that say like, Hey, you know, you guys posted something that really resonated with me. Where can I find some support here? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll try to help find, and we know therapy isn't cheap. That's kind of the unfortunate reality of these things, but we'll at least try to help, you know, people find stuff that or, or sources or resources, even like a free men's group in their area, something where it might not necessarily be conducted by like a licensed therapist, but it's a group of people that you can go talk to that, you know, openly say, Hey, there's, this is a judgment free zone, let it out. And, and you would be surprised how often when someone has an issue, there's another person sitting in that same room that has experienced, if not the very same thing, but a very similar aspect of that reality. Ditto. Yeah. And that takes so much strength, right? I think as a society, particularly men have been conditioned that strong is repression of emotions, but to have that bravery and that courage is a true sign of strength and being willing to say I'm struggling and I need help. Yeah. I do like to say, cause a lot of people are like, well, therapists didn't fix my problems and a therapist isn't there to fix your problems. Like the only person that there's, there's an accountability factor here, right? So the only person that can really fix your problems is you, but the therapist is there to give you another perspective outside of yourself, your family, and those noxious stimuluses um, that could be causing you to think that a certain way or believe a certain thing that may or may not be true. And so having that third party that is kind of unrelated to the situation is uh, really important because they're able to identify some things and maybe some holes where you, that can be filled by just some simple actions. Um, what I like to do, I like to conduct a gratitude practice um, for myself and then for our groups that we put together uh, for men, we start with a gratitude practice. And so what's really important is that if you can wake up in the morning and identify three things that you're grateful for, that is statistically shown to increase mood, happiness, and help. I'm not going to say it's curing anything, but it's going to help alleviate some of that depression because at the end of the day, you know that maybe you have something or someone to go home to that can that that you look forward to that makes you happy. And sometimes I've been depressed. I, I think a lot of people have. This past year has been a cluster um, that has caused a lot of people to, to be depressed. But we just have to remember that there are a lot of things that we can be grateful for. And sometimes you have to dig deep to find it. You know what I mean? It's not just like this, this, uh, stuff on the surface, but we need to really be grateful for what we have because I mean, we live in, you know, while we all hate a lot of parts of our country, (laughs) if you look at places, if you look at other places around the world, it's, it's not as nice and not as cushy. And so that's like right there. There's one thing that anyone that, you know, most people that live in America can be grateful for. Um, so then the other things are all kind of dependent on yourself and your life, but I wake up in the morning and I try to write down three things I'm grateful for that happened the day before or within the last week. And we do that a lot with our men's groups is try to, to get the guys to say, and like, you'll be surprised. Like we'll sit there and be like, no, we'll wait. Tell us two things that you're grateful for that happened yesterday. And like, if it's easy, it it could be as easy as, well, I woke up. Right. But a lot of people try to, they overlook that. It's like, well, I'm still breathing. I'm still here. Um, uh, I, me personally, I have a dog. He's sitting right behind the computer. I love that guy so much. (laughs) I I like, that's my first thing I write down that I'm grateful for every single day. So, um, you know, try to find those, even if it's again, that you're breathing, that you're not in the hospital. I, I, I've been working in an ICU 
uh, for the past few weeks and to see the things that I've seen, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm not on a ventilator. I'm grateful that, you know, I'm not sick and I'm the one working on them and not the, the actual patient. <sighs> yeah. It's those little things that we take for granted that we often overlook and don't even acknowledge because we're so for lack of a better word, privilege. Like I, some days I hate my body and then I recognize like, I am so freaking lucky that I have working arms and legs and I'm able to walk to and from my refrigerator. Like that is a humongous blessing in itself. Absolutely. And that you have good food in the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. So many things, so, so many things. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of stuff that, I mean, like I said, it takes some digging sometimes, but there's things out there to be grateful for. And, mm -hmm. and these things like, you know, outside of going to an expensive therapist, if you're a student at a university, chances are your university does offer some kind of service. So go seek that out. Um, you know, as graduate students, USF offers that to us for free, which is I'm super grateful for. Um, I, I don't know where I would be without that. So there's there's a lot of opportunities out there that you can find things and find services to help you that won't really um, kill the kill the wallet or the pocketbook. <laughs> Yes. So wise. I love your approach, especially as a pharmacy student, that you take such a comprehensive, holistic approach to healing. Sure. I mean, you know, when you learn as much about drugs as we do, <laughs> I'll kind of give you guys like a little tip on medication. This might change some people's minds and get them to eat better and get a little bit more active. And we don't ever tell anybody to subscribe to a certain lifestyle because we think that, you know, we want people to do things for free. Stephen and I both have our own life choices that are different, um, but we understand that that's what we feel is the healthiest for us and what's healthiest for our bodies. And we can't tell anyone, but what we can say is that there are certain things that are really good for you. Eating fruits and vegetables, proven good for you. I mean, there's really no denying that getting up and getting 20, 30 minutes of exercise every day, proven good for you. If anyone wants to argue with me about either one of those things, you know where to find me. Um, but so the big thing about medication is that there's very, very few therapies out there that are just targeted to a certain area. Right. And so when we take a medication, you know, you take a pill in your mouth, your body actually starts breaking it down really immediately. And it starts circulating through your system. And so you have a ton of receptors all over your body that all kind of control different things. And so we're just, uh, for lack of a better term, when we take a medication, we're kind of throwing shit on a wall and see where it sticks. And it's going to hit the right receptors, right? Like it's, it's built to hit those correct receptors. But sometimes the receptors that we have in our heart and lungs, we have in other areas of our body. Mm. And so the side effects quote unquote, that we might be experiencing are either an inability to metabolize that medication effectively, or it's binding to another part of the body as well. So it's not like this targeted approach, like, oh, if I take this blood pressure medicine, it's just going to target yeah. my heart or just going to target my vasculature. It's going to target the receptors. And depending on where those receptors are is where you're going to feel those effects. And so that's, again, where we get the side effects. So think about that, you know, uh, like I said, pharmacy is good. It's good for kind of getting your, your shit together, finding some new lifestyle choices, and then trying to see if you can, you know, work with the doctor. I'm not telling anybody just to quit, but work with a doctor, work with a pharmacist to kind of titrate that down. It is possible. We've seen people reverse diabetes. We've seen people reverse high blood pressure. We've seen people reverse 
high lipids by um, doing, you know, making those lifestyle adjustments. Um, you know, so unfortunately, French fries are for everyone, but maybe not some, you know, maybe not every time, um, you know, beers and stuff are great, but maybe not every day or maybe not, you know, binging, you know, those kind of things that are really good and fun and all that kind of stuff aren't necessarily always great. So we kind of just like joke and we're like mixing a salad once in a while. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yes, never hurts. Um, but yeah, so again, not knocking pharmacy or anything like that. We're in it. We're living it. But, uh, and there's a great place for it because we've seen those medications when someone really commits to making the lifestyle changes really help someone get out of a dangerous situation as far as a, 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 lab, a lab, lab value abnormality and get them back into a healthier place where they can afford to make those lifestyle adjustments and, and help get off. And that's where we think uh, the pharmacist role is in medicine is like, we're not actually allowed to prescribe. Mm -hmm. So if our hand isn't in the pot of prescription, we figure like we can help people get their hands out of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Super intriguing. I love like learning about all that stuff. The body and the mind are just so powerful. And I think what we feed it, whether that be media or relationships or drugs, like it, it's all a full body approach, right? It's not just one targeted thing. It's not like I can eat healthy, but my relationships are shit. My mental health is shit and I'm going to be healthy. It's kind of all factors coming together to make a full body approach. It's everything. I mean, we, we, you know, nobody just wakes up one day and is just like, all right, I'm going to exclusively commit to eating fruits and vegetables and exercising today. It's like, well, you have a family or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you have to wake up, you have to converse and interact with them. You have to interact with your friends, your coworkers, and then you have to eat and exercise and do all these things. So like every day when we, from wake up to bedtime, we have to fully interact with ourselves, our surroundings and be cognizant of what we put in our body. Mm -hmm. It's those daily habits too. Cause it's not like you go to the gym once out of the year and you're feeling super strong. It's that daily commitment to those practices. Absolutely. It's uh, like we kind of tell everybody it's small steps. We don't expect anybody to get up and be a marathon runner. But if you get up and walk even down to the end of the block and back, if that's all you can do, do that. You know, um, and if anybody shames you for trying to get in shape, tell them that I said to go F themselves <laughs> and to go find me on Twitter, slide in my DMs and tell me about it because I'd like to tell them about themselves. So mm. we, we like it when we see people that are out of shape at the gym. We like it when we see people come into yoga that, you know, are not uh, Cirque du Soleil performers because mm. you know what, you're there and you're trying and you're making an effort. And you know, I'll even say I'm not the most flexible person in the world, but if somebody would have seen me doing yoga three years ago compared to what I do now and how far I can, you know, walk without feeling pain and being able to do things out without pain of the previous injuries that I have, you know, and it's been a three-year journey and I still have a lot more room to go. Mm -hmm. Just showing up is everything. Hey, if you want to go to yoga and lay down on your mat for an hour, do it. At least you're there. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part is getting there. Right. <laughs> All right. So my last question to you is what is one thing you do every day to take care of yourself and one tip for men's self-care? Oh, so what I will say is I recently took up a skincare routine. Nice. So within the last um, six months, I would say. So kind of like was asking some of my friends that are girls. I'm like, what do you do for your face? Like, 
I'm always stressed out with school and I get pimples, like what's going on. Yeah. Um, and like, I know we're in pharmacy and I should probably know that. Like there's definitely stuff you can, uh, you can put on your face for it, but just like yeah. asking and kind of seeing like the niche intricate things. Um, so I kind of, I talk to my friends that are girls to find out. And then also, uh, talk to some people we've met through the podcast, through the skincare industry, um, that kind of gave us some stuff. If they're, you know, anybody's interested, they can look on our, I don't want to shout out too many people on your podcast. Go for it. GM Revolution. Uh, that guy kind of changed the way I feel. It's a small startup company started up in COVID. Mm-hmm. We had him on the podcast and he was talking about the importance of self-care. And I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to order some stuff. And uh, so I did. And, and that's something I do every day. And I also try to I just try to drink enough water every day spend 20, 30 minutes in the sun, mm. exercise, eat right, be grateful. I mean, kind of things that we've all addressed yes. uh, here uh, on the podcast and like very much so in a nutshell, I would think that it's probably a lot more to that day to day. But, you know, sometimes like, you know, everybody's lives are stressful. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so we're just, um, I try to do those things every day. Sometimes I don't get to everything and, and I make note of it at the end of the day so that the next day I make sure I get around to it. Mm. Uh, but I just try to make small changes every single day. Uh, some of our viewers know this, some don't. When I started pharmacy school, I was very close to 300 pounds, um, living a very unhealthy lifestyle. Uh, I was working in a sales, sales-ish kind of uh, liaison type job previously where I was eating out every single night, entertaining clients, um, drinking way too damn much, um, you know, eating at really great restaurants, but you know, that (laughs) food isn't always the best for you. Right. Um, so those kind of things kind of put me in a weird place and I get to pharmacy school and I start learning, uh, about these medications and, you know, what they're treating and prevention and thinking to myself, Oh crap. Like, you know, maybe I should, uh, make some changes here. So I still have a little ways to go. Like I said, not perfect by any means, but this is kind of my men's health journey. And it's kind of what Stephen and I, we, we use uh, some of these things as teaching moments for the people that like our podcasts. Congratulations. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I really commend you for that. That takes so much, just so much. So I really appreciate the work you're doing. I feel like I could talk to you on so many different topics for like another three hours. Um, but I just have to thank you for the work you're doing because I don't hear many like podcasts or just shows catered specifically to that. So I know without a doubt that your work is going to help like thousands upon thousands of people and you should be really proud. I definitely appreciate it. I always like going on somebody else's podcast because it gives us an opportunity to kind of talk about what we talk about usually on our podcast we have other people come on and share their experience and we've definitely learned from a lot of people. Um, so we don't always even necessarily get to talk about the stuff that we want to talk about. And that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing just because there's a lot of, every time we turn our head, there's something new in men's health to figure out. So we're just yeah. seeking it all out. But um, if you don't mind, like before we go, I kind of like to give uh, any of your viewers a really nice, like sexual health cocktail that we found. That's all natural, Ooh. no pills, Uh, no side effects. Uh, We do have, we have some products on our website that aren't, you know, they're non-pill stuff, uh, non-vitamins, nothing like that. So if they want to take a look at that, that's cool. But aside from anything that we have, um, we'll say beets. 
it's all vegetables and fruits guys so like if you don't like fruits and vegetables <laughs> like them now because it will it will change your life and this is based on a lot of research that we've done we pulled this stuff off of clinical trials and articles and data all science backed it's not just us bsing so beets they contain nitrates which are converted to nitric oxide uh, that opens your blood vessels, very similarly to the drug that everyone knows as sildenafil or Viagra, which stimulates nitric oxide production in the bloodstream. So you can get that naturally without the flushing and weird dips in blood pressure. We also have watermelon, which I love. I'm a huge fan of. I, I liked it before Men's Health. That has a amino acid called L-citrulline, which is converted to L-arguline, which is also important for blood flow. So, guys, I think we all know that blood flow is important. And then finally, celery, that is a mainstay. Uh, I think in, it should be a mainstay in a lot of guys' diets, whether you juice it or eat yeah. it. A, it has a ton of fiber, so it's fantastic for your digestion, but it also has zinc salts in it, which uh, help pr uh, produce those really important sexual hormones that keep libido high. So like testosterone, your androgen agents, things like that. Um, those, those zinc salts and those other salts, it's also high in potassium, which helps with blood pressure. So those three things, I will say that if you can kind of just take a little bite of every single day, hmm. blood flow will be better. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing know that. know what you think. Oh, yeah. I love that. Whole foods are nature's natural medicine, I will just say. Right. Oh, super cool. So that's, yeah. uh, that's one thing sometimes we'll, we'll leave with people because it's like, yeah, maybe you don't like fruits or vegetables, but... If it's going to help you get where you need to go without uh, a yeah. pharmacy is expensive. Viagra, guess what? Your insurance won't cover it unless it's for, for mm. pulmonary hypertension. You have to wow. pay out of pocket for it. Yikes. So, and it, believe me, it is expensive. I've seen it. Mm. So, okay. but you know what's not expensive? Beets, watermelon, and celery. Yeah. Oh. There you go. I bet. Yeah, that's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> Aww. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you, your website, social, just plug away? Sure. So we are at www.menshealthunscripted.com. We have been busting our butt on that website. It's beautiful. Um, we okay. have some blog posts coming out um, here this month, and, and our blogging has definitely increased. Our podcasts are on that website. We have some of the uh, goods and services that we offer as well. If you're in the Tampa Bay area, we do a Nordic sauna every almost every Saturday, nice. which also helps with blood flow. Um, it, you're in the hot and then you jump in an ice plunge as well. Um, and there's a ton of benefits. We have them listed on the website. They're probably too long to go into at this moment. Um, but check that out. That'd be great. Uh, we could always and then join our mailing list because we have a bunch of stuff coming up as well now that uh, Florida don't give a crap about COVID, so we can get out there and do stuff. Um, they do. I'm just kidding. They do give a crap, but you know, we we do we do things outside. We'll practice yoga outside. We'll do some stuff uh, that's pretty safe. Um, as well as we're on Instagram uh, at just at Men's Health Unscripted, no spaces or anything like that. Um, and so we have all kind of stuff that we put up on Instagram. Like we'll talk about food. We'll talk. We'll make recipes. Uh, we'll talk about working out. We'll talk about yoga. I mean, we advertise our podcast on there. So we have that. We have the podcast, Men's Health Unscripted again. You can find us pretty much anywhere that listens to podcasts. We we broadcast through Anchor. I think you do too as well. And so you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, all anywhere that you can find Lauren, you can find us. Um, 
let me see twitter if you guys want to get some twitter beef at mh <laughs> underscore unscripted uh steven and i will both love to debate you on anything that you would like to or agree with you it, it would be fun <laughs> um we're not we're not afraid of trolls mm. and let's see what else um we just started a tiktok we're probably horrible at it because neither one of us want to do dances <laughs> um but it's also a good way of getting information out there so yeah. sometimes it's just us like you know, firing off its recipes, food, oh. uh, a lot of like more natural holistic things that seems to be pretty popular on TikTok. So wow. we're just getting that geared up. Um, those are really our main places where you can find us. Um, and then if you're ever around the Tampa Bay area and you see us, say what's up. Yeah, y'all are everywhere. Damn, on every <laughs> single platform. <laughs> we're not on Facebook. We, okay. we've, we've gotten a huge fight with Facebook, so we're not there. But. Yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'm sure so many of my listeners are going to check you out. It's all good stuff. Super cool. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I feel like this episode is going to help, again, so many people. that need-